I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome back to Confessions of a 30-something Drama Queen, your weekly podcast where apparently I have an existential crisis every Monday on the trot. Interesting. I'm going to make this my last existential crisis for a while, but some things have just got to be said and I've opened this little Pandora's box and now I need to just let it all out. It's a bit like that really with emotions on the internet, isn't it? It all seems like a good idea to be real and say how you feel. But then once you start doing it, it's like, well, now this is a lot. We were not prepared for this. A good friend of mine actually said to me this week, she was like, wow, I never really thought about all of this before ever. But now that you said it, I can't unsee it. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, by the way, if you have just joined us, welcome. I'm your host, Susie Bernaldi, and I have been 30 for a hot second now, and I decided to lay my thoughts about it on the line. So we're currently in the middle of a two-part series. If you'd like to go back and listen to the last one, I will link it in the show notes. But if you want to just join us for today's episode, that's also fine too. So in case anyone needs a little refresher on the last episode, it was all about how I feel personally about my life at 30 and my thoughts and feelings on it. But today's episode is going to be a little bit different, switching things up a bit. This is my 30 crisis part two and it's going to cover beauty standards, aging and some other drama where I'm not going to name any names. But yeah, I know you're all so interested now, aren't you? Anyway, let's get into it. It's actually kind of funny that today's episode is on beauty standards because tonight is the night I'm due a full evening of like beauty TLC like my brows need doing oh boy my brows need doing my hair needs washing my mustache my mustache is out of control I've been putting that last one off for so long because I actually don't care about it but I personally find it very triggering when people on the internet point it out 
My body hair has always been something that I was teased about at school, wherever it sat from my face down to my arms, all the way down to my toes. But I drew the line at shaving my arms. I tried it once and I didn't like it. So I've put up with the comments about the hair on my arms, but my face, oh, my face gets some comments. So when I was growing up, I would actually bleach my facial hair as often as humanly possible, given I didn't have my own money until I was about 15. So I was basically begging my mum to buy Jolene from about the age of 8 to 14. Young, I know, but these comments and the awareness started very, very young. Like, I remember I refused to go on holiday to Florida when I was 10 unless my mum would help me shave my legs because the thought of being in a skirt shorts was so upsetting to me and that is so sad like my heart breaks for baby me I actually don't know how my mum coped but now that I'm older being expected to be hairless at all times is one of those beauty standards that I really really resent and in my day-to-day life it's not particularly present but on the internet oh boy is it present like it's so bad like worse than it ever was at school if I'd never been visible online it's probably something I would have very little knowledge of like if I were listening to me speak right now I'd probably think I was making it up and I'd be like oh the world isn't like that anymore but that's the thing about having a global audience you get a lot of feedback and opinions from people some you see eye to eye with and some you really don't but Being on the receiving end of this feedback, you have your eyes open to so many different perspectives. Again, some good and some bad. And not only has this made me very open-minded because I am reminded daily that my experience of the world is not the only experience, but it's also opened my eyes to the fact that a lot of the opinions that some of the people in my circle think are long gone, they are still thriving elsewhere. And our beauty standards are just a tiny drop in the sea of archaic opinions that some people are still holding on to. Believe me, every so often I think we've moved past something and then something will happen and I'm like, whoa, wait, sorry, what? What year am I in right now? So beauty standards for women have always been something that I have been almost like hyper aware of. I've had comments on body hair from a very, very early age. I hit puberty very, very young. So there have been like body comments from such a young age and I could I could honestly do a whole separate podcast on that but we're sticking to my 30 crisis part two and much like puberty for me I feel like my 30 crisis when it comes to my appearance actually ended up coming a little bit early we're going to get started with a little backstory and trigger warning I'm about to give a slight hint at talking about weight loss. So if you want to skip past this section, I will leave a timestamp in the show notes because I don't really think you need to listen to this section to be able to listen to the remainder. So the timestamp is there for you if you need and I'm sending you lots of love. But okay, moving on. So my appearance on my 30 crisis coming early. This is where it starts. Picture the year. It's 2020 and we've just been locked inside our houses for what was meant to be three weeks but we already know it's going to be a little bit longer. Now, in March 2020, when we went into this lockdown, I had a full head of extensions, long acrylic nails, Botox, lip filler, the whole shebang. The nails, they were the first to go. I was very, very sad about that, followed by the hair extensions two weeks later, and oh boy, was that a mess. Oh my God, how many times already have I said, oh boy? who am I and what is going on here? Anyway, um, it was a mess. My hair was so messed up underneath and I had to remove the stennies with a bottle of gin. Uh, 
alcohol melts glue, by the way. I'm not mad. Um, I also found my first grey hairs a few months later. And once I found one, they just started coming thick and fast. And I fully blame the Rona. She's got a lot to answer for here. Then my Botox wore off and like fully wore off. It had kind of worn off a little bit at the start of lockdown, but it fully wore off during And whilst we're in the thick of lockdown, it's stressful. I'm feeling a lot of feelings. My appetite completely exits the chat. And so my body starts to change too, which not only burned up most of my lip filler that was left, like there wasn't a lot left, but there was some left and it fully burnt all of it up. It also left my skin looking so strange because there was no cushioning left in my face, no little cheeks or dimples, nothing. And I honestly didn't look like myself anymore. And this coupled with obviously being locked inside left me feeling so sad and just not right. And I kind of felt like I'd not only given up two years of my life, but I also felt like I'd added a couple of years onto my appearance and this might sound super vain but we've already established a few times on this podcast that I have self-esteem issues okay and we will establish that many more times throughout this episode. I'm also well aware that I might sound like I've got a few screws loose in this podcast in this episode and many more episodes to come by the way but someone has got to say these things and there's no way that I'm the only one thinking or feeling them. I am not that special, definitely not that original. So yeah, anyway, by the end of lockdown, I had my greys, wrinkles starting to form on my forehead, deep, deep smile lines from where my face just had no padding left in it. And at one point, I was actually convinced that my whole face was just moving south. Like my face was melting. I was really spiralling. I can't be too sad about that though, because It was that little breakdown about my face melting. Like I literally said to my friend, help, I think my face is melting. And that led to this podcast idea. So that silver lining is, to be honest, about as bright as my grey hairs. Anyway, my confidence was in bits. If you watch my YouTube channel, you'll know this because I spoke about it a fair bit. Because here's the thing, I was also being bullied for how I looked and It took me ages to kind of start talking about that because I just felt so unconfident, so embarrassed. I didn't want to highlight anything and it was a really, really hard time. But eventually I did talk about it and I felt so much better for actually addressing it. But that was so hard to take when you're already struggling because your own brain is already bullying you and now someone else has come along to reaffirm that messaging It was a really, really hard time. I felt so uncomfortable in my own body and that makes me so sad because appearance aside, my body does so much for me and I am so blessed to have such a healthy body. Like I got COVID this year and it was nowhere near as bad for me as anyone else I know and I recovered so fast. Granted, I did when I realised I had it, I did just lie down for like three days straight, like I didn't move. Ryan was literally like, he was an angel but every meal was brought to me in bed bless his soul but yeah I recovered so so quickly and I am so grateful for what my body does for me so it's really sad that I felt that way about my body and I've been so uncomfortable in it for such a long time and at this time the self-loathing was so intense like the most intense it's ever been and that's pretty bad considering I have a history of poor mental health 
and I've had some hard times and this one really took the biscuit. So in the end, I thought, sod it, I'm going to eat even when I'm not hungry. We're going to get those cheeks back, face and ass. I'm going to start having my nails done again. Not that I needed them for confidence. It wasn't really a biggie, but I wanted to make taking care of myself a part of my life again because I have really neglected myself mentally and physically in a lot of ways for the best part of a year during covid I also decided at the end of the year to have Botox again, which isn't something that I actually thought I'd do after the first time I had it in 2019. I had it. I never thought I'd do it again, but I did. And I'm actually really happy with the results. And whilst I know I'm fully engaging in the system, which I'm also very aware is designed to profit off of me, I'd like to respectfully say, fuck growing old gracefully right now, because I have been through a lot, ma'am. We all have. And my point in telling you this is to remind you that whilst we can openly consider why we want to do these things, we can also still go ahead with them and show ourselves kindness in the process and not beat ourselves up for doing the things that are designed to profit off of us. Do you see what I mean? Would I love to be that influencer who fully champions being makeup free and Botox and filler and all of the treatments free? Sure, that would be so nice. I would love to be that comfortable in myself and set that example to so many of you, but I'm not there yet. And I also need to not beat myself up about that because I grew up in the years when Heat Magazine was like at its peak. Like you'd just be in the supermarket and you'd see those models with the red circles around their bums or I'd come home and my mum would be staring at a page that had zoomed in on some poor woman's wrinkles We didn't even know how damaging it was back then and it was just so normal for every wrinkle and every curve to have a red circle around it. I don't know, maybe things have improved now. I've not looked at Heat magazine since my teenage years when I started to become more aware of that content not being great for me. But I would say now we might see articles where someone's age and beauty are commented on but it's called growing old gracefully or confidently flaunts fine lines but... Is that better or would the real improvement just not be commenting on it at all? Do we do that for men? I mean, maybe we do because the term silver fox is definitely overused and is a phrase that I would love for the media to permanently put in the bin. But all I know is it feels a little bit more sneaky now. Maybe it's not even that sneaky. Maybe there are some really apparent examples and I just haven't found them yet but to come back to my point we need to be kind to ourselves because we have grown up in the age of the media really tearing down women and it's okay to still be a work in progress. Not only are our crappy beauty standards for women still fully alive and kicking, sadly so are the ones around ageing in general. I'm not even just talking about visibly ageing here but also just being 30 apparently. There was a moment this year whilst being a very very small moment It had a big impact on me. It was a real reminder that society still treats women like they're of lesser value as they get older. And this was something that I never really expected when I was turning 30 and definitely not when I named the podcast. So picture the scene. I have created this podcast. I just need one last jigsaw puzzle piece and everything will come together. I need the name. And it eventually comes to me. Confessions of a shopaholic inspired, obviously, because I'm a 90s baby And with that, the last few puzzle pieces slot into place and Confessions of a 30-something Drama Queen is born. And I like the name because I wanted this podcast to be clear in its intentions and to stand out to those who wanted advice from someone who's already been through their 20s or maybe is a similar life stage to them now. 
I love the name, as you can tell. I'm very passionate about it. So ACAST knew this and they're like, yeah, cool. We'd suggest you shorten the official title slightly, but if you don't want to change the actual name, then you're good to go. Lovely. And then we start talking to various different companies about this podcast, a real variety from production to brands. And I'm going to keep this bit a little bit vague because I'm not in the mood to trash anyone today. And really nothing here was technically wrong. And there's no bad intentions, just deep rooted issues within a capitalist world, you know, no biggie. But it was a real life example to me of how big companies see value in women and in general. But anyway, back to the story. There are some cool conversations happening and we're getting a lot of feedback and one company said something along the lines of, well, we wouldn't sign her because we're actually focusing on getting a Gen Z age range to listen. Interesting. So what has happened here is they've seen the word 30, completely ignored the target audience, which was laid out in my very thorough document because remember... I know my demographics like the back of my hand. I've been doing this for a very, very long time. I have full access to a lot of data. And whilst Gen Z isn't 100% of my audience, it makes up for a large part of it and has in fact become the second largest listener percentage for this podcast. Funny that. But anyway, circling back, I was very confident that I would bring in a variety of age ranges and my pitch reflected that but they clung to 30-something, as if Gen Z couldn't possibly want to listen to a podcast from a 30-year-old. Heaven forbid. And don't get me wrong, I get it, it's business, and they would probably feel more comfortable with someone who is in the Gen Z age range bracket because their largest audience is pretty much guaranteed to be the same age as them. I get it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a 100% guarantee of younger listeners. And businesses like that in big companies, they're just way less eager to take risks. I get it. So whilst they didn't at all mean it in this way, like they're literally just coming from a business perspective, it was one of those small reminders that lots of the world, probably mostly a capitalist world, still place a lot of value in youth. And this situation made me feel as though it was something that I no longer have, which is a bit of a joke when you think about it, because my 80 year old neighbour likes to regularly remind me, oh, but you're still a baby. You have so much time. And whilst that isn't what the brand was saying, it's interesting that the underlying theme is still there. And it really shocked me because I just wasn't expecting it. And honestly, it was the first time I've been overlooked because of my age and I knew it would happen eventually. But it just makes me sad because I personally believe women in their 30s and up, women of all ages, but women in their 30s and up are continuously underestimated in society and to ignore their value is a huge mistake. But to segue back quickly, this very small rejection definitely left a mark on me, even though I really didn't want it to. 
not necessarily due to the rejection, but the reasoning behind it. But obviously no one likes being rejected, you know. And we've already discussed rejection of fear of failure in, what was it, episode one? So you all know that that is a thing for me. But in this situation, it was more the messaging behind it. I'm pretty good at taking like business rejection. But when it's kind of age related and you've just turned 30, I don't know, it stung a little bit. It was a little bit more personal. So with that in mind, but also for reasons that I'll get onto in a moment, I'm definitely more sensitive to a situation like this. And it made me feel that little bit more uncomfortable about visibly aging. I mean, I was already feeling a bit unsteady, but this moment was like, are you effing joking? I feel like my fears have just been reinforced. Like, they're real. This is a real concern. Much like, you know, when people were bullying me for how I looked, but I already was bullying myself in my brain for how I looked. They were kind of reinforcing all of the bad thoughts. This was very similar. And for the first time, I started to worry that being 30 might take away opportunities for me. And then I felt this pressure start to develop that even if I am 30, I should at least maybe try to not look 30. But anyway, this situation also brings me back to my earlier point about us seeing a value in youth. When I think about how we treat youth, it's almost like it's a prize. And it's not surprising that I feel the way I do because it's literally reinforced every single day. You see it in the differences in like the news headlines about younger women and older women, in the fact that it's very often a 20-something-year-old playing someone's like 40-year-old mum on the TV. That's probably a real over-exaggeration and I'm being really dramatic there. But you know you watch those like US dramas and the mum is just so young, but they've got like a teenage child, like an 18-year-old or something. And you're like, this is crazy. This person is in no way old enough to have an 18-year-old child. This is This is crazy. And it's even in our day-to-day interactions, we've all had it where we feel a bit of joy at being ID'd or that smugness when you get someone say, oh my God, you do not look, insert your age here. Someone said I looked under 25 at Sainsbury's last week, like they were shocked I was 30, they did a full double take and they were like, oh my God. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I told them that they'd made my day and it's so normalised and we play into it on both sides. We all do it. It is a compliment in society, especially for a woman to look young Growing up, I remember people would always say it to my parents too, like it was as if they were like medical scientific marvels, like people would be shocked when they find out their age and my parents would come home on a weekly basis and be like, guess how old someone thought I was today and they'd be so proud and to be honest, they probably should be proud because neither of them have had Botox so they're doing better than I have, they still look young now Um, but this kind of situation and seeing that happen and seeing that in play, it's definitely had an impact on me growing up As I've got older, I've regularly been praised for looking younger than I am. And do you know what I have also always been praised for? And I'm going to say this even though I feel really awkward about it. I've also been praised regularly from a very, very young age for being pretty. Now stay with me here because I know some people are really going to take a dump on the fact that a woman has just defined herself as pretty. Uh, Stay with me. I have a point. I remember being heavily praised as a child for how I look, which I think in the 90s was just so normal. But I think a huge amount of my worth growing up has been tightly wrapped up in my self-image. And this is then amplified when your career also benefits heavily from it. This is what some like to call pretty privilege. And 
pretty privileged if you're not familiar. And this isn't a dictionary definition, by the way. It's just my rough definition of it off the top of my head. Pretty privilege is things like being able to get away with something that other people wouldn't because of your appearance or having others treat you better because of your appearance and maybe benefiting from it in some way, whether it's financially or socially. There's probably a lot of other examples and that's probably not as thorough or as eloquent as it could maybe have been. But, you know, work with me here. It might sound mad because it did to me the first time I ever saw someone talk about it online. But the more years I've spent on this planet, the more I'm realising it's real and I have benefited hugely from it. And Emily Ratajkowski actually talks about this in her book. It's called My Body. If you don't know who she is, she's a model and she is unreal. Like, like she is stunning. It's such an interesting read. And whilst I look nothing like her, because like I said, she's just unreal. I just love her. Big, big, big fan. Um, The, by the way, the cowboy boots I brought recently, if you've seen them, inspired by her. Love her. Anyway, it's a really interesting read. And I've had some similar experiences to those in her book. And I found it really, really eye opening. So if you enjoy this episode, I would definitely give that book a read. But in that book in particular, she put into words something that I've been feeling for a long, long time, but struggled to piece together. The most notable sentiment being how damaging it is that we're praising girls from a young age and rewarding them for being pretty before we're praising them for anything else. It's very common for girls to receive praise for being pretty before being smart, kind, athletic, funny, artistic. I can't think of, I can't think of any more things, but you get my point. And that's damaging because we're putting beauty at a higher value than our brains or our hearts. Another downside to this, which is the reason that I moved on to talk about pretty privilege in the first place, is that there's a pressure to maintain your appearance and looks fade. You grow up and one of your celebrated qualities has a sell-by date. And if you've learned to base your worth on youth and appearance, that is a hard pill to swallow. So are we now seeing why this tiny comment from one company had such a big impact on me? I'm hoping this is all starting to make sense because I really struggled to piece all of these different thoughts together when I was making my show notes. I was like, how do I talk about all of this and how do I communicate what I'm feeling when there's so many different things at play here? So hopefully I'm covering this okay. But yeah, one of my most celebrated qualities does indeed have a sell-by date and nothing pokes at that deep-rooted old belief like turning 30 and being given that Gen Z feedback. But one positive to come from this is that nothing, nothing lights a fire in me better than someone telling me I can't do something. So a little rejection goes a long way in my case. And my God, do I need to retire from being an overachiever? This behaviour is so unhealthy. Anyway, the long and short here is that society acts like women over 29 are of less value, but they're wrong. So screw them. And if we could all share this podcast and make it super successful just to show them, that would be great. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Um, That's not actually the end. My friend Amelia has requested that this 30 crisis part two has a happier ending than the last one did. So I'm going to attempt it. I really wasn't sure how I was going to spin this, but here we go. So there's this episode of the Kardashians that I've been watching and don't tune out even if you hate them because this isn't really about the Kardashians, it's just kind of like about a conversation they were having. So there's this episode of the Kardashians in the most recent season that's out and there's this scene that I found kind of fascinating and I have watched over and over for some weird reason. 
I guess because I've just come into a new decade of my life and so has Kim. So I'm kind of obsessed with watching and observing others going through similar life stages. But Kim, Chloe and Courtney are all in the kitchen talking about turning 40 because Kim has just turned 40 and how it's the best and it's so much better than your 30s but then they're talking about how 40 is basically like the new 30 now and at first I was like this is so clever they're just saying this to stay relevant because if it's not if 40 isn't the new 30 then they technically aren't relevant anymore as they're getting older and they don't have a show not that there's anything wrong with being 40 by the way but I just think it's so interesting how they're like spinning this if that makes sense just bear with me here just think about it don't like shoot me down but then I was also thinking well regardless of whether they are benefiting from this or not it's doing us all a favor because if 40 is the new 30 then 40 year olds can like chill about turning 40 if they were like feeling a little bit insecure about it but then also 30 is the new 20 and by the way doesn't 30 being the new 20 just fit so perfectly with the theme of my last podcast episode because we're all feeling a little bit behind and I was talking about the need for there being a new 30 30 is the new 20 there we go but yeah it fits in so perfectly with my last podcast episode love that for me and I like that they're campaigning for this because they're like spinning the narrative on turning 40 and then others might feel more confident about turning 40 though I would also like to caveat this whole chat by addressing the elephants in the room because one I'm sure any life stage is fab when you're filthy rich and two they've obviously had a lot of work done and don't look their age so given what we talked about earlier regarding relevancy and privilege I'm sure 40 for them isn't the same as 40 for others anyway back to the last season Kim follows on from this discussion by saying she feels like she's now in her prime and her 40s are going to be her best and I was watching this and I thought is this a thing? Like, is is that a thing? Because they're all talking like the, the 40 is a thing and like you're in your prime. And I didn't know that. I'd never really heard anyone have that discussion before. And I was watching this and I was like, hmm. So I did some research and that makes me sound really extra. Uh, it's not. It was very low key and low effort because I hate research. That's why I didn't go to uni. I'm no good at it. I get bored after about 60 seconds and I'll literally do anything else but the task at hand. But I did a little. So Fun fact, studies have shown that our career financially peaks at 39. That's on average. And it's also been shown that this is when you're most likely to have a career boom and be at your best in terms of your performance. Apparently, some of the most successful women on the internet are in their 40s to 50s. And that made me do a little bit more research. And I found out that the average age of women on the Forbes Fortune 500 list is 57. And please, can we all appreciate the fact that I did my Googles to find this answer and nothing was coming up. So I had to dig deep in my brain and go inside that tiny little box labelled GCSE Maths. It's a dusty box, this box. I'm sure you can all imagine. And I had to pull out how to work out averages. (laughs) Just kidding. It's obviously very straightforward figuring out averages. But then I had to get very busy with my calculator And Ryan actually came home whilst I was in the middle of this. And you need to just picture this because he comes through the front door and he looks into my office. He's like, what you doing, hun? And I'm sat there like, I am adding up all of the ages of the women on the Forbes Fortune 500 list. And he's like, "Okay, well, she's lost it. I'm going to go put dinner on. You enjoy that, babe. I probably looked like I had fully lost it, but I was deep in the research and fully dedicated at that point. Anyway, like I said, the average age of women on the Forbes Fortune 500 list is 57 
And you know what this tells me? This tells me that the best is yet to come. So if you're feeling like you're about to have a bit of a mental wobble about your age or how you look, just know a few things. One, when you cop it, people won't write about how pretty you were on your tombstone and no one's going to be saying, Dearly beloved, thank you all for coming today to remember Auntie June. I'm so sad she's gone, you know? She was just so wrinkle-free. What a hero. Like, no one's going to be saying that. To give some perspective, it doesn't matter. It's not what people remember you for. And number two, sorry to be continually morbid. I know this isn't what Amelia was asking for when she said uplifting. God, sorry, what am I like? But anyway, number two is ageing is a privilege that not everybody gets. It's one of my favourite things that I like to remind myself when I'm just like, oh, I'm getting a bit older. But it not only works in terms of age, but also your appearance. And it really helps me to put things in perspective. And number three, you haven't even peaked yet. Your best is still yet to come. It's literally scientifically, factually, numerically proven by me and a few other Googleable sources. Your best is still yet to come. The world just doesn't want you to know it. So yeah, that's what I have as my morbid yet uplifting end to the podcast. Next episode, I think I'm going to lighten the load a little bit. I'm thinking maybe dating 101, but if you guys have any requests, I am always, baby, like send me the requests. It's either going to be dating 101 or why buying a home isn't all it's cracked up to be. If you have a preference, let me know. Or if you'd like to suggest something that's entirely different, I am all ears. So send me your requests, send me your thoughts. But yeah, this is where I'm going to leave the 30 crisis part two. I I felt like I could have dived in deeper and maybe talked a little bit about um, the patriarchy and stuff like that. I f- there was a tangent that I fully could have gone off on, but I chose to not go into that because I felt like this was kind of heavy enough as it was. But yeah, that's my 30 crisis part two around beauty standards. I would love to hear your thoughts if you have experienced anything similar. Um, It would probably make me feel a little bit less crazy. So if you do have thoughts or similar experiences, please honestly hit me up. Make me feel a little bit less insane. I would love that. But I will see you all next week. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give me a little rating or whatever because apparently it really helps. Tag me on Instagram at TSDQ Podcast. If you share it, I would love to see that. Or if you want to DM me about an episode or give me any feedback, the Instagram, like I said, is at TSDQ Podcast. You can also follow at TSDQ Podcast on Pinterest, Twitter, or wherever you like to consume your updates. And I will speak to you guys again next week. Love you, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.